0: The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor.
1: Doctor. Doctor.
2: Doctor. 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 Doctor.
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of
3: Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by this week's co-host. He's subbing for Dr. Brian Cole. Brian Cole. It will be Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. This week on the show, we're going to visit with one of Dr. Chuck's partners at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, Dr. Joel Williams, who will join us talking about the Olympic ortho injuries and outside of competitive events, broken bones common among athletes. We'll discuss it. Also, Dr. Chuck and I will talk about the high school sports athletes and sports ramping up here in the Chicago area. Talk about some of the overuse injuries and things parents and coaches and the athletes themselves should look out for. And then a great conversation as well with ATI Physical Therapy, Scott Kaler, who join us from Greenville, South Carolina this morning, talking about the cupping therapy. You saw those purplish splotches on olympic swimmer michael phelps and other olympic athletes it's because of the cupping therapy the uses the benefits and the side effects we'll explain it isn't for the weekend warriors stay with us sports medicine weekly after this on espn radio
4: Guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14DayTransformation.com. That's the numbers 14DayTransformation.com or visit Karen's website at That's KarenMalkin.com. That's K A R E N M A L K I N.com.
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And we're back on the Saturday
3: morning. Steve Cashel, Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph. It is Sports Medicine Weekly. Net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Dr. Chuck, um, Olympics winding up this weekend.
2: Have you enjoyed watching uh, things from Rio? You know, Steve, I started out going into the Olympics thinking that no, I I, I don't, I'm not really interested, and I find myself glued every I, single time. I'm exactly the same way. You know? I said,
3: you know, I was kind of like Rory McIlroy, said I'm not interested, you know, except for the maybe the uh, the big sports. But I found myself and my family. My boys got into the swimming, and I love the golf, of course, but I really love the women's volleyball and uh, the men's volleyball and the gymnastics you know it's
2: funny I you know Simone Biles is an amazing athlete and in the power and grace and what those young women do now compared to what was even done you know 12 16 18 years ago is beyond belief the advancements that they've made in the skill sets that they've developed is just incredible
3: And I even watched women's rugby I was on vacation in Florida I had about half hour and I flipped you know through channels in the middle of the afternoon Women's rugby, which I watched 15, 20 minutes. pads are tackling each other. I was stunned.
2: I, I saw that one, too. And the, the team from New Zealand, the, the black shirts or whatever, they, they played like it. They were, I tell you, that, that's a rough game. And surprising that we didn't see more injuries in that. Uh, I know this Olympics, we've had several injuries. And, we, you know, there was bike accidents and some fractures. Um, you know, I guess it's hard for the average listener and the viewer to believe how hard these athletes work to get to this time, four years of their life, are, are wound up in, 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 in minutes or sometimes half hour or 20 minutes of competition. It's amazing what they do in the training level they hit.
3: We've got one of your partners here in studio for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, Dr. Joel Williams, joining us, a orthopedic trauma surgeon at MOR, and uh, here to talk a little bit about the Olympic uh, ortho injuries. And uh, Dr. Joel, thanks so much for, for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Um, and Dr. Chuck brought up some of the uh, the injuries and specifically broken bones. Uh, you know, outside of the competitive events, are, are broken bones common among any athletes?
5: Thank. You. First off, thank you for the invitation. And um, no, no, not terribly common. They, um, I think most athletic injuries tend to be the overuse type injuries, muscular injuries, tendon strain type injuries. But it's it's definitely not uncommon to see injuries like. The French gymnast and the, uh, the two cyclists and the weight, the Armenian weightlifter that all had very traumatic injuries.
2: You know, when, when these kinds of injuries occur, you know, it's almost devastating for the viewer to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, because, yeah. you know, you're watching a competition. You want to see a very high level of skill in the speed of how these cyclists are, are, are racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to see them go out and lose it and you see a traumatic injury right in front of you. Uh, you know that's scary to the average yeah, but
5: the heart goes out for them it's th- you know their entire life they spend training getting to that point and all of a sudden it's you know done in the blink of an eye.
2: Let's talk about the clavicle fracture that, that the cyclists uh, suffered uh, I, I, I take it that's something that's relatively common even here in cyclists uh, riding a divvy bike here in Chicago.
5: Yes actually it's a you know if you ride a bike long enough most competitive cyclists will have a clavicle fracture. And Lance Armstrong had one, he had his fixed, so it's not uncommon at all to have cyclists come into clinic with a clavicle fracture and insist, Lance had his fixed, I need mine fixed.
3: How are they fixed, guys? Uh,
5: The most common way is a plate and screws. So a plate is sort of a uh, three-millimeter thick piece of stainless steel which goes directly onto the clavicle and has screws that goes through this piece of metal into the bone. The alternative way is a rod that goes down the middle of the clavicle, but um, I think by and large in this country, most are fixed with a plate and screw.
2: You know, Steve, I'll tell you that this is something that's really evolved over the last 15, 20 years. Obviously, I'm, much old, I'm pretty old. And when I came out of training, we never operated on clavicle fractures. We just said, all right, let them heal. You know, it'll take a long time. You're gonna keep your arm in a sling for a long time, uh, but it, it eventually heals. And, and what we really, when we found, unfortunately it didn't heal, uh, in many places Especially in the high competitive athletes And then the other thing which we found For competitive athletes like cyclists The, the time where it took to heal Took them out of training for months and, and so I think maybe what Joel May comment on nowadays People said I want my pla- my clavicle fixed And that way How long, how, how soon after a plate and a Screw fixation on a clavicle would you let somebody Get back on a bike
5: On a bicycle I'd say um, At the earliest to would be a month Realistically, more like two months. But, you know, they're moving sooner. I mean, that's a big big deal for a lot of people to use their hands, at, you know, to keyboard and to, to you know, for daily living and for their job. Um, the, but like you're saying, the historically, clavicle fractures were never treated properly. The pendulum went the other way probably 10 to 20 years ago. I was going to ask,
3: when did they start putting the, uh, the plates in and the screws?
5: I mean, that's been happening forever, but it became a lot more common. 10 to 20 years ago. And the pendulum is actually coming back the other way now, at least in the orthopedic trauma world. And with non-operative treatment, most people with normal daily expectations heal and don't have any functional deficits 80 to 90% of the time.
2: But there's that segment of the population, and even sometimes there are listeners, those impatient competitive athletes who are unwilling to, quote, wait that 6, 8, 10, 12 weeks to get healing before they can resume some form of aerobic training. Now, I'll be honest with you, Steve, if I I think if I had a clavicle fracture, I don't think I'd have it operated on. Um, I think maybe Dr. Cole, who's much more athletic than I am, probably would, because if I'm going to clown Mount Rainier uh, like Brian would, I think he's going to want that clavicle.
3: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, subbing this week for Dr. Brian Cole, my usual co-host. And in studio with us is Dr. Joe Williams, a orthopedic trauma surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, of course, the... Head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. So, um, guys, what else did we see in the Olympics?
2: You know, the one thing that I wanted to bring up, which uh, which I think Joel and I were, t- were talking about a little bit offline, you know, these endurance athletes, you know, the 5,000-meter the athletes and the marathon athletes, you know, uh, unfortunately, mar- people training for distance running, and, and we're getting close to the Olympic season, I'm sorry, the uh, marathon season here in Chicago, and we're going to start to see this. I know Joel does, and, and I do in my office, Dr. Cole does. Patients coming in and they're in the endurance training game, and now they've got hip pain. Uh, and, and you know, Joel, how would you how would you counsel our listeners to say, "Listen, I've been running, I've been ramping up. I used to be a two to three mile runner, now I'm a five to eight mile runner, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to cycle my way up, uh, and now I've got hip pain." And wh- what are the differentiating factors that our listeners need to know? That's going to say, "What's good hip pain? What's bad hip pain? What hip pain needs to be looked at a little closer?"
5: You know, I think for you know the weekend warrior type. You know th- it's um, somebody that's training for a marathon. They're you know 30 plus years old. They never had hip pain growing up, and they've all of a sudden increased either the frequency or the mileage. Most of the time, if they come into you know a, a doctor's office or anybody's office, it's probably going to be an overuse type of injury. They've just overdone it. Their muscles or tendons aren't used to that demand they place in their body. When they've given themselves a honest break, I mean, meaning they've decreased their activity or stopped the athletic insult, so so to speak, um, and they still have pain, either with daily activities or they've given it a break and they just slowly ramp, ramp back up and the pain is still there, they should probably go in and have it, have it checked out.
2: Well, but I, I, I guess what I want to get to our listeners, though. Is there a location of pain? Like, is it groin pain versus lateral thigh pain versus butt pain? Are are one of those does one of those raise a red flag sure, as yeah. opposed to others? You can sort of ride with for a little longer.
5: Classically, hip pain that's coming from within the hip joint is in the groin, yeah, whereas most I think hip pain from overuse type injuries is out on the outside of the thigh, sort of uh, right by your pocket.
2: You know, Steve, I I think what Joel's alluding to is that groin pain, and and, and the reason I bring this up, I I had a good friend of mine. Uh, you know an athletic guy and he ran was running the chicago marathon and he actually had groin pain and he ran right through it and actually fractured uh, suffered a hip fracture during the course of the chicago marathon wow it's not an unusual event and so uh, at least in my mind you know the groin pain is one that is a little bit more of a, a concern whereas the lateral thigh and the butt pain the it band type pain or this You know the more glute max type pain; Mm -hmm. those ones that you know will allow the patients to sort of ride with a little bit longer and try to work themselves through.
3: All righty, guys, we're out of time. Thanks so much for uh, Dr. Joe to Dr. Joe Williams for uh, for jumping in. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. From Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, I'm Steve Cashel. Back with more with Dr. Chuck Bush Joseph after this on ESPN Radio.
6: I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI physical therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews. and When I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget.
0: To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. PT.
6: Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis, methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call
0: 877-MD-Bones. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000.
3: Steve Cashel back with you on this Saturday morning with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, head team position for the Chicago White Sox, filling in this week with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Chuck, what do you see in the office? I uh, you know we're ramping up the high school sports, right? Double sessions, and we'll turn into games here real
2: soon for the high school football players, soccer players. Uh, what's uh, what's coming through the office? You know, Steve, this is the time of the year. I, you know, it gets unfortunate. Summer's winding down. And like, even I noticed this morning, the sun's coming up a little bit later. Uh, but I mean, the exciting part of the time is that, yeah, for many of us who have our par- parents and have had our kids go through high school sports, this is a fun time. Unfortunately, though, this is the time where kids starting to get hurt a little bit, and uh, you know, there's uh, uh, boys' high school soccer, um, uh, obviously football, uh, the women's sports are starting back up. Cross country for girls, uh, we're getting a combination both the overuse injury and unfortunately in our collision athletes, these uh, these initial injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, uh, collision sports shoulder separation. So um, kids are just in the pads now and the office is starting to fill up. Uh, most of the physician practice at Midwest Orthopedics Rush, we're usually running our afternoon and evening injury clinics just because unfortunately these kids are getting hurt. So I, I think we've talked about in the past, hamstring strains is probably the most common. The majority of hamstring strains, even on a professional level in the NFL or in Major League Soccer, occur earlier in that first 25% of the season and in training camp. So we got to make sure our kids are well hydrated and well warmed up before they're starting to do their suicides and all these other endurance drills.
3: Yeah, I want to ask my question. Are, they, are, are there preventative measures you can take? Are the parents can think about, the coaches can think about, the kids can think about?
2: Well, you know, as we talked about, hydration is one. There are some very specific training mechanisms that the schools are using now to prevent either hamstring injuries, neck injuries. So there's coaching elements and training elements that 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 we're seeing a lot of improvement. The Illinois State High School Association has done a much better job now in, in, in implementing these, uh, these preventative programs throughout the high schools, throughout Illinois. Uh, some things are just going to happen. Kids are going to, as they tackle, their arms out, and they may dislocate or separate a shoulder. Sometimes those, those traumatic injuries just happen. Uh, we, we do our best to try to coach them out of the game, but they're still there.
3: And uh, finally, how are they treated? Uh, what, what do you do with a hamstring if you feel a tweak?
2: You know, a, a tweak, uh, unfortunately, is going to shut them down. You know, the, and usually until the athlete regains a pain-free range of motion, uh, that you have to hold them out before they can start any intense uh, or, or fast-twitch kind of training. So usually, uh, like in any injury, any muscle strain injury or ankle sprain, you know, we're going to ice them down, compress them. We're going to protect their weight-bearing if need be for a short period of time. Uh, but for the most part, we never immobilize. We always like joints to move. Uh, joints are made to move.
3: All right, that's Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph. I'm Steve Cashel, back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after this on ESPN Radio.
6: Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost effective fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit That's Prochondrix.org. That's
0: P R O C H O N D R I X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000
3: we're Back on the Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Chuck Bush Joseph filling in this week for Dr. Brian Coates Sports Medicine Weekly, our producer, board operator, George Kotserillis, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. And to access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness, please visit our blog at smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. Talking a little bit more. Dr. Chuck, about the Olympics and um, boy, something came up, I know, in our household, I was wondering and then my two boys, uh, 12 and 9, uh, you know, big athletes and uh, they're saying, Dad, uh, what are those purplish splotches on Michael Phelps and the other swimmers? And I said, I had no idea and I ran to Google and found out that it's something called cupping.
2: First, I've heard of it, but you say it's been around for a long time. You know, Steve, it has been around for a while and, uh, you know, this is a... Uh, it's kind of getting out to the late public now. You know, these elite athletes are looking for any and every advantage to help them recover from injury or to get them a competitive a competitive advantage uh, as to the other athletes. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, variations in training techniques and rehabilitation and cupping is one that's certainly coming to the surface, and I, obviously, with Michael Phelps shows up, uh, uh, you know, on the medal stand with cup marks all over him, uh, it, America stands up to look. So, twenty-eight million people were wondering that same thing that you were, Steve. Well,
3: let's uh, bring on Scott Kaler. He is a board-certified sports physical therapist with ATI Physical Therapy, joining us from Greenville, South Carolina. And Scott, thanks very much for uh, for joining us. Um, we touched on cupping. Tell us exactly what it is and why it's so popular with Olympic athletes, and how does it work?
1: Sure. Well, first off, thanks for, so much for having me on. I'm excited to join you guys this morning. Um, you know, cupping is, it's it's a novel treatment approach with its roots in Eastern medicine, and you know, I say novel just from the sense that evidence in it is sparse, sparse, despite the fact that it's been around for thousands of years. But you know, as you guys have seen in the Olympics, it's um, being seen on an international level now and it's just gaining a lot of traction because of the high level athletes that are using it and uh, like you guys touched on, I think it's it's popular amongst the Olympic athletes because the difference between a gold medal and missing the podium can be tenths or hundredths of a second and these athletes are just looking for any, um, any advantage that they can get on their competition and what cupping is is a modality that's used to create a negative pressure uh, on the skin and creates a suction effect, and that suction effect creates a tensile stress on the skin and the underlying tissues, and then that causes an increased blood flow to the target area, and then those capillaries fill and sometimes uh, rupture, which is what's causing the infamous purple and red spots that we're seeing on all the swimmers. And you know, when we do the cupping, what we're looking to do is to reduce discomfort in the target tissues, and we're basically just creating a counter irritation, and really just trying to turn down the volume on the heightened state that the athletes or patients' nervous system is in, and so that we can try to improve their pain.
2: Scott, what you tell? What are some uh, typical examples? Uh, where do you see it used is it you know shoulder thigh back or are there particular muscle groups uh, that, that you've had that your experiences with I know you spent time in major League baseball as well uh, where where are you seeing the most common uses for it
1: yes sir so definitely in the shoulder um, with our baseball players I had the opportunity to spend the 2012 season with the Kansas City Royals and we would use it as a recovery tool for our pitchers um particularly in just trying to help restore their range of motion so that they could get in their correct arm slot without compensation. Um, There's some emerging evidence in some um, journals of complementary and alternative medicine that uh, shows some efficacy in patients with low back and neck pain, um, even carpal tunnel syndrome and some EOA. But for me, I'm typically using it in shoulder dysfunction uh, and low back pain primarily right now. And then... I would say the other big piece where I tend to use it the most is in our post-operative population. We see a lot of those in our clinic, and really can help with scar mobility once the incisions are well healed and, and the skin is safe to so go ahead and do do the cupping.
2: You know, I guess one last thing, Scott, and most of our listeners want to know: Does it hurt? <laughs> I mean, a <Good> uh, question. <laughs> I want to know that myself. I mean, how, uh, obviously, I'm I'm doing this for a, for a potential benefit, either you know for healing and performance, but. You know, uh, what, what what are your patients telling you? When, when? What's the sensation when you're applying the cupping technique?
1: Sure, it, it, it definitely can be uncomfortable, but it, it, it's all relative to the amount of pressure that we put into the cup. So I use a suction cup technique rather than using a heating element, and so I can either do more or less suction depending on uh, the patient's tolerance. And it, it, it can be uncomfortable, particularly if we have the patient moving through a range of motion or if I'm moving the cup over their skin but in the, in the grand scheme of things they're not too sore other than while the treatment is taking place and they usually feel pretty good afterwards so there's other than bruising there's not really any lasting um, painful effects from it.
3: Our guest is Scott Kaler from ATI Physical Therapy. Scott is a board certified sports physical therapist with ATI in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph. Dr. Chuck is the head team physician with the Chicago White Sox filling in this week for Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, Gentlemen, a question for both of you. So are there different types of cupping then? You know, Scott mentioned suction. And also for Dr. Chuck, have you used it either on your athletes or even your weekend warriors who come into your office?
2: You know, Steve, most of the experience I've had with it is in in our professional athletes. Uh, You know, they, uh, you know, as Scott had alluded to, this sort of gets through the grapevine, uh, you know, players talk, and especially pitchers talk a lot. And when they're dealing with these chronic, you know, chronic tendinitis problems about the shoulder, uh, when, when it works for one pitcher, it sort of makes the rounds quickly. I usually don't see it too often in the weekend warrior. Most of those patients are coming in for more episodic treatment, and uh, they're sort of coming and going. We're in our professional athletes where we're trying to manage them through the course of a long season. This, these techniques really have the best use.
3: Sounds like, Dr. Chuck, you may not suggest it yourself, but it would be suggested upon you, right, or requested?
2: I, you know, I think most of this does come from from practitioners like Scott, you know, the the, the physical therapists and the trainers who are, tr- or they're seeing these athletes on a daily basis, and, and, and they're seeing a lack of progress, and they want to intervene, they want to try another intervention, another modality to kind of help the player get over the hump. Uh, And usually once they've kind of exhausted the traditional or conservative type things, then, yes, we're going to move on to these a little bit more invasive ones. Obviously, uh, you know, I think Scott says this is a little uncomfortable. Uh, You know, this is there's a little pain for the gain here. Uh, But most of the time, uh, the the players do see benefit from it. And uh, and it is a it's stimulated more often by the therapist trainer than it is by the physician.
3: So, Scott, you said you worked with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Did you get the same situation as Dr. Chuck? Has with uh, with the White Sox and uh, and players uh, kind of requesting the cupping method?
1: Yes, sir. We definitely. Uh, if if it worked for one player, then and their teammates saw that it was successful for them, then they would also request the same same treatment. Um, but you know, if if we saw that there was a range of motion limitation or some. Uh, some kind of fascial restriction, then we could definitely recommend it from our end as well. But it, in the professional game, if somebody is getting getting a certain treatment, then they're going to they're gonna want the same thing that their teammates are getting for that same edge uh, on the competition.
3: Have the Olympics um, brought on any special uh, requests, uh, Scott, in your practice? Uh, people watching and saying, what are the or splotches Or I've heard about cupping? Can you do it to me?
1: Uh, there, there have been a couple of patients in the last couple of weeks that were just curious about it, and they they were appropriate for cupping. So I I went ahead and pulled the cups out so that they could experience it and see what it was all about. You know I was had the opportunity to be on a local news segment uh, earlier in the week, and the local station got 50 phone calls with requesting my information so that they could come in and see what it's all about so we'll see what happens to my schedule over the next couple of weeks
3: fantastic hey scott we're out of time but thanks so much for uh, for joining us from uh, greenville south carolina on this saturday morning and uh, telling us more about the cupping therapy appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me on
3: scott kayler from ati physical therapy their website com. i'm steve cashel with dr chuck bush joseph back with more after this on espn radio We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's all free. Just go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Our app gives listeners easy access to their favorite Sports Medicine Weekly shows without getting lost in confusing screens and pop-up ads. The team at Sports Medicine Weekly is dedicated to delivering content to our listeners on the latest in fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Optimize your performance with the Sports Medicine Weekly app. As always, we thank our loyal listening and social media followers. The
6: best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting DonJoy products for over 30 years, with a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury. DonJoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. Ski Team. Always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust DonJoy, a product of DjoGlobal.com.
3: At Athletico Physical Therapy, we know there is freedom from pain, and you can get back. To doing the things you love Whether it's running an 8K Playing a game of tag in the yard Or walking safely to your car Pain should not slow you down With locations throughout 8 states That offer complimentary injury screens Your choice to go with our team Is the smart choice Visit Athletico.com To request your complimentary injury screening And start feeling better with us today Athletico, better for everybody
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly has been brought to you by Athletico Physical
3: Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Karen Malkin Health Counseling, by Integrated Orthopedics, by Source, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by Midwest, and by ATI Physical Therapy. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsourilos, Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. The
0: preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.